Welcome back to Real Life Academy, the podcast about entrepreneurship, business, and how the real world works. Today, I'm sitting down with Alana Walker Carpenter. She is a true trailblazer. She has redefined what it means to lead, what success looks like, and the gift that love, compassion, and empathy can bring to the boardroom. Serving as the Chief Executive Officer of Intricity, Alana has created and leads an organization for business leaders to integrate their faith and business through five business practices that she and her team have developed. We discuss her journey, how faith can integrate into the corporate world and why it's important to reach maximal results, and what the next generation can do to reach their full potential. So I just, I like to start out every podcast and by asking what your mantra is for this year, if you could sum it up in one, one sentence. Yeah, like every year our family has a theme we all decide on and our sort of mantra, our theme for the year is fun. I think I when we that. look back at like, you know, years past, we've, we've been very goal oriented, very focused on creating new habits, but we just wanted to go and have a little fun. And that just, you know, that was our family that spilled over individually. And uh, I know for my husband and I spilled over to our our corporate roles too. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, like you said, it spills over everywhere. You know, when you're, people can tell when you're having fun and when you're light spirited and that kind of makes people want to be around you more, which can help your career, help your relationships. So that's awesome. Well, it's a talking point too, right? I think we remember things that intrigue us about another person. I'm like you, I'm a little bit of a, a, an overachiever. I like to just go above and beyond. So halfway through the year, I saw a book at Indigo. It's called The Fun Habit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to excel at the fun. <laughs> yeah, amazing just what some of those, you know, reasons why people haven't cultivated fun and what they've done to cultivate fun. So, right. So what are some of the things that you've done to cultivate fun this year? Well, the real differential thing for me has been not to create the fun, but to participate in the fun. Right. And that I found my fun factor was being taken away. I was creating all these events and experiences for people, but I was losing that fun factor. So to be more of a joiner than a leader. That's a great tip. I love that. I think it's, yeah, I think especially as, you know, like you said, high achievers and, you know, naturally born leaders can kind of think of the idea of creating their own fun. Um, But that's a great shift in your mindset. That's awesome. So I guess we'll start with you kind of telling us how you got here, what your journey kind of looked like, because I think you're a great example of, you know, the whole we plan and God laughs sentence. Um, And you've really been able to pivot in your career. So why don't you take me kind of through your journey to, you know, where you are right now? Well, Tally, I think God has had a lot of laughs. So I never aspired to do what I do today. I I actually wanted to be the prime minister of Canada. And not only did I want to be the prime minister of Canada, I wanted to be the first female prime minister. And so I was a little bit disappointed when Kim Campbell got in. And I remember meeting her a number of years later and expressing that to her. And, and if you remember, or you might not, she was only in for three months. And she said, I might've been the first Alana, but you will be the longest. So I took my undergrad in politics 
And the gentleman I was dating at the time suggested to me that they probably wouldn't elect a prime minister in her early 20s. So I took a postgraduate degree in human resources and started out corporately, nice. worked on the client side, then worked in consulting. And that was now the year 2000. And was working downtown Toronto, and there were a number of different Bible studies and roundtables and boardrooms, but it was all focused in on men. And that little spirit of justice in me started to rise about the inequity of that. So I first started just doing Bible studies and boardrooms, and then a friend of mine nudged me to consider making a career change. I joined a larger organization. Okay. And it just wasn't the right fit for me from a values and styles perspective. Mm -hmm. And so then in April 2004, I launched Intricity at the Toronto Stock Exchange, not because we're a publicly traded company, but I wanted to show that faith and business can intersect and integrate. And then this past January, we announced that uh, next spring, we're officially launching the Canadian Centre for the Integration of Faith and Business. Wow. So you, yeah, you've, you went from politics to human resources to now, you know, founding your own company and integrating faith into business. And honestly, when I first heard of Intricity, I thought, wow, that's a very interesting concept. I'd never thought about how you can kind of integrate those different parts of your life. And as I've gotten older, I've realized how every part of your life really intersects and, you know, your personal life flows into your work life and your spiritual life. And I think that it's very innovative of you to to kind of recognize that and act on it. So how what made you think that integrating faith with the corporate world would be successful? I think maybe it's how you do it, right? Because in my mind, I had seen a little bit of how it wasn't successful. And I think people... Right just not honoring people's journeys. I think we'd already established ourselves as being like, for me, my own personal brand, I'd established myself as being credible, as honoring relationship, as being innovative. So I took some of our sweet spots mm -hmm. and, and, and brought it in with us. I also recognize from my own experience working on the client side and working in consulting, that people were searching for meaning and purpose and they for sure were not going to go to the steps of a church. Like that was a scary, dark place for them. But they would come and have a latte with me at Starbucks. They'd come for a glass of wine with me after work. They'd go to an event with me in a safe space with a recognizable speaker. So I knew we had something. We just needed to package it in a way that was timely and relevant and met people where they were at. I love that. Yeah, I think that's, really important especially these days because I think that there can be stigmas and there can be especially with the media and everything where people might get scared away from faith and it's really about like you said meeting them where they're at and um, not kind of pushing it onto people but explaining how it's important because it gives you that sense of purpose right yeah. And Talia, I get scared away sometimes when yeah. it's jargon and, you know, and I sometimes I want to separate myself from that because I just like, oh, that's not what I want Christianity to be known for. I don't right. want intricity to be known for that. So I yeah. understand why people kind of shy away and say, mm, I don't think that's for me. 
100%. Yeah, I, I really get it. And I see it a lot in my generation. It's like, people ask me, oh, do you go to church every weekend? And, you know, I try to go to church because I think it, it is valuable, but I don't believe that Christianity is just about going to church. I think it's about a set of values and a way to live your life. And a lot of people live by those values without even knowing it. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, it really is a set of values and yeah. the Bible gives us is really just a playbook of how to live out those values. Exactly. And living by those values will give you a much more fulfilling and better life than, than not for sure. So I guess now you're working with Intricity and you have um, all of these amazing initiatives within the company. What role do you see faith playing in the corporate world today? So I think it depends on what country we are in, right? right? So, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that because yeah. some countries it's closed, some countries it's so much more verbose. When mm -hmm. I look at the context of Canada, we are, you know, inclusive, tolerant, you know, a sense of belonging. But I think all of those things can go hand in hand with faith. And we shouldn't shy away because that's kind of our, our, our DNA. Right. I think it has a front row center seat, if it's done the right way. So if it's done in a way that's confrontational, that has no regard for relationship, that is pushing an agenda, that can go to the side. But if it's done in a way where we're connecting and cultivating relationship, we're seeking to understand the person, their needs, um, how we can edify the organization in which we're working, I think it really goes hand in hand. How do you think it can improve, um, you know, business objectives? Well, I think from a values proposition, you right. know, when, when everybody's working from the same song sheet, when you're known as a trusted, credible organization, I mean, you know, two people being equal, one being a little bit more shady, one being trusted, you know, with um, but I, one of the things that I don't want to say today is that my Jewish friends or my Muslim friends don't have a set of values. So that's right. just, you know, like that's something that's so important. I'm just saying like from a faith perspective, from a Christian perspective, you know, having that value alignment and that regard for relationship, I think can really only enhance an organization rather than taking a step back. Right. Which, you know, cause I think a lot of businesses are, you know, in the business world, it's very, it's money centered a lot. So it's how can I, you know, hit this objective and hit these financials and all of that. And if you're just looking at the numbers, but not looking at all the, all the factors that affect the numbers, I think that's where intricity really comes in and plays a big role because it's that missing component of, if you start to do this, you're going to cultivate better values within your company, which will lead to the numbers and the results that you need so absolutely it's really giving points for everything in between mm -hmm. you know when we used to do math and like high school how you'd get marks for the answer but you'd get like 50 percent would be everything in between I think for us as an organization the in-between matters how right. you there matters right I love that for sure um so as it's shifting more now to like the entrepreneurship side of you what are some challenges that you encountered while creating Intricity and how have you been able to overcome those? 
But when I think back when I launched, so it'll be 20 years next spring, April 2024, there's three things that I remember were a bit of a deterrent. One was my age. So I was mid-20s. Another one was my gender. So not everybody was welcoming a female leader to the table, let alone a female Christian leader to the table. Mm. And then the last thing was that I didn't come from, you know, a family of faith. I wasn't credentialed. So for those people that were really stuck on, you know, seeing a master's of divinity behind somebody, you know, that was a little bit of a stopping point. One of the things that I learned though, was how to use those things to my advantage, mm. right? So the youth element became an advantage point because I I wasn't fearful about coming in with new ideas, concepts, specs. Um, in regards to my gender, I learned to just embrace being a woman mm -hmm. and taking all of that to the table, the care, concern, um, creating a space where all people belong. And it's not to say that men can't do that. I just, I made sure that I, I operated within that realm. Right. And not coming from a faith family, the not being credentialed has probably been my my secret sauce because I'm able to relate to people in a way that people just I'm just can connect in with them. I don't come with any language or history. I'm like, I get it. I just really get it. You get it. Yeah. Cause you've been there. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I love the idea of, you know shift I, I'm all about the mindset shift so shifting into thinking about your what might be your weaknesses as your as your strengths and I think that a lot of women are trying to you know play into a, a more masculine role instead of just embracing their femininity because there's so much power in being a woman and having that caring side of you and I just think that embracing that um it, it allows room for both genders to collaborate, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, I say that and I, I say all of that with strength, but it definitely took me a while to, to get for there. Sure. Right? Like yeah. I remember like pink is my favorite color and I remember like navy blue, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so it takes us a while to mature and to realize, no, I can, I can show up as I am, as I'm yeah. other people too. Yeah, that authenticity part, because people can definitely read through that. And if you're trying to be someone that you're not, people kind of make it heard. Well, they... Yeah, Telly, it's interesting that you've used the word authenticity, because on our 10th anniversary, we released a survey and we put our values out of our organization and which one was the most closely that they aligned with us. And it was authenticity. People really valued that within our yeah. organization. I think it's by far the most important value within any organization, just being yourself because everyone offers different strengths, right? So um, if we do, if we don't try to be like someone else, we're not all going to have the same strengths. So we're going to be able to, you know, pick up off of each other. That's awesome. Um, in your experience, what do you think limits people from reaching their full potential? From a faith perspective, I think not affirming someone's call or inhibiting their call really can limit them. I know when I started out, I certainly had some naysayers, so I had to really push forward. I also think fear. Fear really can hold somebody back, and it's so important to explore 
why we have this fear. Um, and I often say to somebody, what is the worst thing that can happen? Whatever they're feeling fearful about and having them sort of talk themselves out of whatever that might be. Yeah, I love that. I think I agree with all of that. I think fear is the the number one thing that's holding people back. And um, how would you, you know, for the next generation, how would you tell them or give advice to find their calling and figure out what it is their purpose is? I know that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it probably looks different depending on how the person is wired. Yeah. Um, you know, invest the time right from the get-go, right? And, um, you know, if somebody's a person of faith, that might look like sitting in silence. It might look like prayer, discernment, reading scriptures, um, seeking mentorship. If somebody isn't a person of faith, you can still have that quiet time of meditation, seeking out that mentorship and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd also say like, you know, really um, capitalize on social media, raise your hand for things like be a joiner, raise your hand, don't be afraid to give out new ideas. Like there is a, there is an appetite to have emerging leaders around the table. Right. Like I feel like, you know, 20 years ago when it was me in my mid-20s, I feel like it was it was lip service. Like right. the person would be at the table, but the person would just be at the table. Mm-hmm. Now people are really leaning in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's, it's almost like it used to be kind of just like a number thing where it's like, okay, we have to have at least one person under 30 here. So they would add that person. But now I feel like it's much more embraced and... Um, I think it's also the the fact that the next generation is really the first generation to grow up with all of this uh, technology. And so we're kind of like the test group here because no other generation has grown up with, you know, smartphones and, and all the gadgets that we have. So I think that organizations, or, sorry, I can't talk. Organizations are seeing the value in having that perspective as well. You said that fear is what holds people back. How would you, how do you deal with fear and doubt in your own personal life? Yeah, you know, and I just want to say that, you know, whether somebody's an established leader or an emerging leader, mm-hmm. fear is like an equalizer, right? We all have different fears. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I, I have wonderful advisors that are around me and I, I I pick their brains and you know I mean just yesterday I reached out to somebody you know I was just I was feeling a little fearful about something that's coming up and you know this person was just able to ask me some really insightful questions and and calm my spirit so I think it's who's around your table who right. are you leaning into um who are you giving voice to can really make uh, a significant difference. And I also think, Talia, you know, we, we extend grace to others. I think we have to extend grace to ourselves. Yes. Right? Like, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm working on right now, because I'm realizing how, you know, a lot of leaders have that critical voice inside their heads. And they treat, they put everyone above themselves. And I think that when you're doing that, it reflects on the, on your team and on the other people around you. So by taking care of, you know, what's with 
in yourself first, that's going to help the organization as a whole as well. I love that. When I start getting critical in my mind, my husband's like, you need a different board chair. Like just kick that one out. And I just think that's such a great analogy. For sure. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a pattern, right? That critical voice is a pattern where you have to replace the pattern with something else, something more positive. Speaking of critical voices and um, how we talk to ourselves, if you could talk to your younger self today, what would you tell her? Yeah, interesting. So while our organization has is celebrating 20 years um, next spring, I celebrated 20 years in ministry a few years ago, and I wrote 20 things that I've learned in the last 20 years. And so probably the number one thing I would say is people can't relate to perfect people. So mm-hmm. Alana, like if you could only have stopped in your 20s of trying to be perfect, mm-hmm. you would have been able to cultivate, you know, deeper relationships. And now I look at, you know, what, what really makes a difference in the relationships that I hold. It's just being raw, authentic, vulnerable, and appropriately sharing my story. It has nothing to do with showing up perfect right yeah I think that's goes back to authenticity and all the themes that we've been talking about is no one's perfect and so no one relates to a perfect person so yeah that's awesome I love that I wanted to ask you because I think you know this podcast is a lot about entrepreneurship and as a um an organization, how do you approach fundraising? So, you know, interesting, because a while ago we were talking about, you know, relationships, like that math problem, right? Like, you know, you can go for the answer, but everything in between. And I think for me, it's the everything in between. So I've always been about the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, the, the longer, I don't want to say haul, but that longevity of relationship. Right. Um, and we don't act like a lot of people that have to raise money are constantly asking for money. We only ask, like we only do one mailing a year uh, at Christmas time. And that's because for me specifically, I work with most people that have means. So then they know that when I am out connecting with them, it's sincere. So they're, they grow to be expected to have that appeal. Um, we also put something on our electronic communications when they come out. Uh, but for me, it's all about that relationship. And not every relationship is meant to have an ask made. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like it's crystal clear to me, like some people that have significant means, I just know in my spirit that I am meant to be a friend to them. Right. Like no, no ask uh, of their foundation. I am meant to be a friend to them. It's like the authenticity and friendship comes first, but the result of, you know, being able to fund intricity is kind of just a side effect of that because people actually care and, and, and value what you're doing as an organization. And it's pretty split. If you um, read some of the data and the research, you know, it would be pretty on par, you know, 50, about 50% give to the leader, right? Mm -hmm. And then 50% are kind of giving towards the cause, right? right? Like, that's, you know, and there, there would be people that doesn't equal up in the math equation, yeah. but there would be people that are giving to both, but, you know, both are really important. Yeah. And I can speak to that personally as 
a real estate agent, I think, you know, as soon as I got my license, I made a point to make sure that when I'm seeing someone and if real estate comes up in a way, I'm, I want to be really authentic and not come across like I'm talking to them about real estate because I want their business. I'm talking about real estate because it's a passion that I love and that I want to educate people on, but I never wanted that to, you know, become an awkward subject in my relationships about like, if, if one of my friends doesn't want to use me as a realtor, I don't want that to, you know, change our relationship. And I think that people can see that and it makes them respect you more and want to, and want to work with you more than if you were sending out emails on emails of, Hey, donate money. Hey, donate money. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. And I think it comes back to how we network. Right. So to me, I always say it's net giving, you know, when I'm walking in a room and I'm having a conversation with somebody, I'm listening intently to see, okay, what are their needs? How can I meet them? Mm -hmm. There's that kind of next thing on them. And I think that that has helped and, and, you know, I love that. Yeah. That's a great way to approach networking. So it's a a great tip for um, younger people who are, are looking to build relationships. I love that. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you for chatting with me today. Um, before we go, is there anything coming up with Intricity that you want to mention or ways that people can get involved? Sure, thanks for the opportunity. So our website is www.intricity.ca. Our two signature events are coming up, Bells on Bay Street in Toronto on November the 29th and Bells on Bank Street in Ottawa on December the 6th. I'm excited for that. Do it. I'll, I'll have to go to that one. First time in person since COVID. It'll be yeah. really exciting. That's really fun. So you'll be making a trip out to Ottawa? I will. I will. A couple of trips. So Awesome. Well, we'll have to touch base.